Center by Phoenix. Jordan. Open. Chicago with the lead. If that's the last image of Michael Jordan, how magnificent the series. It's Lillard. He got the shot off. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the 3 and D. I'm Paul Lombardi, and I'd like to welcome everyone back to the Review and Preview Network for my weekly NBA and college basketball show. Make sure to check us out on all social media platforms and subscribe to our YouTube channel at Review and Preview Sports. In tonight's episode, we'll discuss the Derrick Rose trade, the NBA G League debut that happened today, the top players that are rising up the draft boards, the new AP poll, and the top college games of the week. So we got a full slate going on today. Uh, de- debuting another brand new jersey today, too. Uh, you know, for those people listening to the podcast version of it, I'll describe it. Uh, got Allen Iverson Sixers jersey. So last week debuted my uh, my new Domantas Sabonis jersey that I got, the alternate Pacers jersey. And they, those are really sick because they're like kind of like a throwback. These come from Mitchell and Ness. Mitchell and Ness is like one of the best sites. Highly recommend if you want like authentic basketball, baseball, football jerseys, anything of that nature. They got like all that stuff. Uh, they came out with these pullover, like batting practice style, like MLB type of jerseys for the NBA. So they have like some some old names. They had like a Shaq one. They had a Carl Malone one. So I decided to go with Allen Iverson, one of my favorite players of all time, as you see in my intro that consists of all my favorite, all of my favorite players of all time. Um, it's comfortable. It's like a pullover. It's got sleeves. Uh, it's got the old throwback Sixers logo. It's got Sixers colors. Like, I think it's dope. And, and it fits nice, too. So highly recommend. Go check out Mitchell and Ness's website. That's a little free promotion I'm doing for them. So, so that's my jersey of the day. So we got, we got a few things. Um to talk about so some brand new some NBA news going on around the league. Uh today was the start of the G League season and we're going to get to that in a little bit, but the G League Ignite team, the brand new team that they debuted consisting of an alternative kind of uh system for one and done players to be able to play and make money. So you get some of the top prospects in the country, projected prospects in the country that uh are all on this team, Jalen Green, Jonathan Kuminga. Um, they debuted today, and they played against the Santa Cruz Warriors in the G League bubble. We'll go over that in a few. But first things first, we'll talk about the Derrick Rose trade. You know, as a big Knicks fan, uh, this was an interesting trade. Kind of came out of nowhere. Like, didn't really expect it that much. I, well, you know, like, was kind of was kind of shocked that they were, like, truly um, – shopping for him you know he wanted out of the pistons we saw that the pistons aren't really going anywhere this year it kind of made sense uh and so basically so so it goes that on sunday the knicks acquired derrick rose from the detroit pistons in exchange for point guard dan smith jr and a future second round pick rose mutually agreed to a trade with the pistons in the with the Pistons in the final year of his two-year contract he signed in the summer of 2019. The rebuilding Pistons had a former lottery pick from 2017 who was set to play in the G League this year for the Westchester Knicks in Dennis Smith Jr. and might see more NBA action with his new squad. There's no doubt about that. He is going to get some time. The Pistons are rebuilding. They're going to they're going to definitely acquire Dennis Smith to see if he could be a future point guard, future asset of the team. Didn't really work out with the Knicks. He didn't he didn't get too much playing time. He was set to go play in the G league for during their bubble. And the Knicks had the former star point guard who, who played for the Knicks in the 16, 17 season. Now 
He's played in New York before. Uh, we all remember that time when Phil Jackson tried to uh, kind of revolutionize the team after he took over, signing Joe Kim Noah, re- trying to bring back a ton of Bulls players, and it just did not work out, that terrible tenure. And Rose has a close relationship with head coach Tom Thibodeau, as everybody knows, uh, from their days on the Bulls and Timberwolves together. So they're basically, they basically consider each other as family. And Rose joins a point guard committee of veteran Alfred Payton and star rookie Emmanuel Quickly with former lottery pick Frank Nilakina, who hasn't really been seeing much action at all. Um, so it's it was good. And his debut was a lot. I think it was a tremendous trade. My thoughts on it. Basically, I thought it was a really good trade. Uh, I think it helps them if they want to make a legitimate run at a playoff spot. Uh, they're they're on the outside looking in right now. They're in the ninth place spot, and everyone's forgetting that ten teams make the playoffs in each conference this year. Uh, they're they're going to have a seven through ten playing tournament. So even if you're the ten seed, you have a shot. It's a difficult shot because you're going to have to win like two games or something like that um, in order to just get like an eight seed. But you know, it's it's going to be it'll be interesting. So ten teams will have a shot in each conference and. The Knicks currently are sitting at eleven and fifteen, and they're in the nine seed right now. So they're they're a legit team. They, if you've been seeing them play, they're a legit team that uh, you know could actually make a run to get a playoff spot. Don't know how far they would go, but it would be nice to just see them back in the playoffs and not have to have another lottery pick. Hopefully, we get a lottery pick from the Dallas from the the uh, Porzingis trade. Dallas is not doing too hot, but hopefully. They can sneak in the playoffs, give these guys their young core, give RJ, Mitch, Toppin, quickly, give them all, even Julius Randle, give them all experience in the playoffs at least a little bit and, you know, kind of get ready for next for the future to build a core around them. So Rose made his debut last night against the Heat, and he scored 14 points, had three assists. He had one rebound and one block in 20 minutes of action. He didn't play towards the end of the game. Uh, Thibodeau said mostly because he's kind of learning the playbook still. There's no, there's, which is definitely reasonable. He took away a lot of minutes from Austin Rivers was something I took away from it. And I think that's going to be something that becomes very interesting to see going forward is how many minutes Rivers is actually going to get because he's probably on the outside looking in right now. Uh, Cause quickly he's got to play Alfred Payton's still playing great for some reason. He was playing terrible at the beginning of the season. Now all of a sudden he's scoring. He's going to play well. And uh, Alec Burks, you can't sit either. Burks is a great scorer. He's been doing tremendous. He's a knockdown three-point shooter. And, you know, these guys in Thibodeau likes to run like at most a 10-man rotation. So be interesting to see. There's uh, It's definitely going to be – I think that – Rose, is, I personally think that Rose is going to be put into to the starting lineup without a doubt. Um, he's going to become the starting point guard at some point. I think he's going to overtake Alfred Payton. I think Thibodeau is going to prefer him to do that. Yet the ball movement is so much better when he's on the floor. And, you know, I think that's the way that they're going to go. But it, it was a good move for the Knicks. So got a couple comments. Uh, Tom Scavetta, got to think Rose could be a solid mentor for a guy like Quickly. Definitely. Hundred percent. Um, I think that that's his main thing. You know, they they it came out and said that uh, when he found out he got traded, he took Toppin and quickly out to dinner and you know exchanged his phone number, told them, you "Guys, have any questions? Talk to me." So it's like class act move by Rose, um, who's always been a classy guy, and you know he's embracing a, a mentor role, and you know. They got a lot of young players on this Knicks team, a lot of good, young, promising players, and he knows that too. So that's going to be exciting to watch. Um, That 15-4 and will be normal on New York, which is fine. That's – I agree with that. I agree with that. Looking through, Rose and Quickly played very well together last night. Should be fun to watch the combo in the future, that's for sure. That's definitely for sure. I think that's, I think it's going to be good. I just overall think it's going to be a solid addition. I think it's going to be, you know, fun to watch. I think that it's going to make the team better. You know, 
there's a lot there's a lot of positives that are going to come out of this it was definitely a solid move for the Knicks part it's not it's not like they didn't have to give up anything basically Dennis Smith was not playing he wasn't going to play anytime soon he was getting sent down to the G League to go play in the bubble and a future second round pick which could be meaningless you know obviously could be a star but it could be a guy that an overseas guy who they expect to come over in two or three years who never ends up coming over you know you you never know with that so I think so. The Derrick Rose trade was quite happy about it. Um, I think it helps the team move in a pretty solid direction and starts to really get them ready for to play some competitive basketball. Because you know, when they hire Tom Thibodeau, they're going to be ready to play some competitive basketball. So, jumping topics a little bit, we got the NBA G League bubble tips off today. So. Today was the first games of the G League. The NBA G League decided to take over the Orlando bubble that the uh, NBA used to finish their season this past summer. All the players arrived there, quarantined for a little bit, uh, did some workouts over the past few weeks, and games have just begun. And it's going to go smoothly. We saw the bubble went so smooth uh, this past summer. and There was no cases because everybody is confined in there everybody's with each other there's no way for COVID to get in or out um which is good so i think the g league season if you want to call it a season it's kind of like a tournament most likely like they're playing a few games and then they're having like a big tournament it might only last i don't even know how long it's going to last maybe like a month or something like that but you know they're doing something at least It, it would have been difficult to have a normal g league season guys traveling and stuff it's already difficult enough for the nba to do that so uh, I'm excited about it. And today, the first game was the G League Ignite took on the Santa Cruz Warriors this morning at 11. So that was nice waking up this morning and had some uh, morning basketball to watch. That was definitely fun. It was on ESPN, too. And it, w- it was a good game. It was the first game of the season. And they- there was some veterans. There was some, like, there were some names out there that... You know, a lot of NBA fans recognize one of them being Jeremy Lin, you know, and the funny thing was, as they alluded to during the uh, broadcast, it's the nine year anniversary of Jeremy Lin's 30 point outburst against the Lakers when he was on the Knicks, uh, which was basically the beginning of Lin's sanity. You know, all Knicks fans remember how crazy that was. That was an unbelievable time. We all had Lin T-shirts. We all had Lin jerseys, whatever. Um, we, We thought he was the next big thing. He, he put on some performance for those games, and the, that was the most electric that the Garden has been in a long time. Uh, it's the nine, nine-year anniversary of when he went up against Kobe in, in drop 30. Um, now he's 32 years old, and he's playing for the Santa Cruz Warriors. Um, he played overseas last year. He went and played in China and got paid pretty well. He so he didn't play in the NBA last year. Only played overseas and wants to try to make an NBA return. Only thirty two years old. Um, he was on last team. He was on was the Raptors, where he barely played when they won the championship in twenty nineteen. Um, he wants you know try to make a return. He had a pretty good game. Uh, so he's he's trying to do it through the G League. So a few things to uh to look at from this game. The G League Ignite beat the Santa Cruz Warriors one hundred nine to one hundred four. Uh, Santa Cruz has a few Warriors products, the young Warriors players that were playing. Jordan Poole played. He got sent down. He had 22 points. Jeremy Lin had 18 points for Santa Cruz. Nico Mannion, who was drafted in the second round, is on a two-way contract with the Warriors. He had 17 points, six assists. So um, those were like their, their star players, really. They had some other guys off the bench. Caleb Wesson, if you remember him from Ohio State, they had a few other guys, a few other journeymen, Axel Tupon who's gotten a few 10-day contracts in his career. Um, they had a, they had those guys. And then, but it was mainly, if you were watching this game, you were watching it to see what the Ignite were going to do. And the Ignites are coached. Um, they, uh, they, the Ignite are, I'm sorry, the G League affiliate basically for like the rookie for the incoming rookies the um as i was saying before the ignite are like the um they gave the one and done guys these guys would have gone to college they even wanted one and done guys an alternative to get paid and playing the g league this year 
So I was trying to allude to that. Couldn't get it out for some reason, but you know, it's okay. It's one of those days. So potential number one pick Jalen green is on the team. Potential top five pick Jonathan Kuminga is on the team. Potential second round pick Deshaun Nix is on the team. Uh, Jalen green was the number one ESPN top 100 for the class of 2020, the high school class. Um, probably could have gone to any college you wanted to. Um, it was probably good if like he was leaning towards Kentucky that he didn't go to Kentucky, but he decided to go to the G league and he started a trend because Jonathan Kuminga, who was a top five prospect and is a potential top five pick decided to join him. Dacia Nix, who was committed to go to UCLA, uh, another four or five star recruit in the top 100. Uh, he decided to, uh, to join them too for the ignite and, uh, they they added a few veterans to the team too. Amir Johnson's on the team and Jared Jack's on the team, which is cool. Those guys come off the bench, you know. They're kind of like the mentors to these young guys. It was fun to watch, without a doubt. Um, Jalen Green didn't have the best game. He he struggled a bit to get going. He only had eleven points. I and he had four five boards too. You know he he struggled a bit shooting wise. Uh, you, you could see the freak athleticism that everybody's talking about. Um, forgot what analyst it was. Somebody compared him to a young Kobe. Like, obviously, that's a huge comparison, but like, that's the kind of player he is and the kind of potential that he has. So, he didn't have the best of games, but you saw, you know, some of his talent. Jonathan Kuminga had a pretty solid game, though uh, 19 points, four assists, and had two blocks. One of them on a Jordan Poole layup, drive to the hoop that, uh, that helped ignite seal the win, basically. Um, Kuminga's uh, small forward slash power forward is number one forward really in this in this uh, on the prospect list. Jalen Green's a shooting guard, and but and the the main scorer though was Jared Jack, veteran Jared Jack came off the bench and scored twenty three points on nine of ten shooting. So he was great. He. Uh, you know, he's trying to make it back in the in the NBA. He played in the G League again last year. Um, Knicks fans remember him being on the team and getting all those starts in the 17 to 18 season for God knows what reason. But they they loved him for some reason. And, you know, he's a good player. He's a good career journeyman. He's, you know, a good bench player for uh a competitive team and he's trying to make his way back. He doesn't think his career is over. So it's good for him. So he's playing for the ignite team and you know, he had quite a performance today. So give him a lot of credit for that. And then the, then projected second round pick Dacia Knicks, um, had 12 points, three, three rebounds and three assists. He's a point guard, uh, kind of like a taller point guard pass first point guard, pretty, pretty athletic dude. um, very good at very versatile point guard too. You know, he can score, he can pass, play some good defense. So he's definitely an upgrade for the ignite. And he's going to try to eat. He's going to be trying to upgrade his draft stock into the first round. We'll see if that happens as of right now, on most mock boards, they have him in the second round. Mostly that's been the common trend of where he is possibly go undrafted. They got a couple of other guys too, who decided to skip college and play for the team. Kai Soto, who's a big man. Um, he, he decided to skip college. He's doesn't even pop up in any mock drafts, really, to be honest. Um, maybe second round pick. He might be one of those guys that has to play in the G league again next year, but it's, I don't know if he would have been one done anyway, if he decided to go to school. So it's interesting. I think it's a good alternative that the G league introduced this year, you know, they're giving these guys an option. They get paid around $500,000, which is the highest contract in the G League. Uh, most of those guys like Jared Jack and stuff aren't getting paid anything close to that. So these guys, so they give them a real good incentive to skip college for one year and just train in the G League, playing against professionals who are either out of the league or trying to make it back to the league and uh, kind of make a name for themselves that way and show off their game. So it's going to be something that is going to be a big threat to um, college basketball, getting commitments from, from, from some of the five-star recruits. There's no doubt about that. 
Um, it's a pretty good system that they have going, and it'll be fun to watch. I'm glad that ESPN's showing it too. ESPN, you know, if you guys want to check some of that out, ESPN's going to be showing a lot of the games on ESPN U, ESPN two. I know the Westchester Knicks are supposed to play tomorrow on ESPN U, so I might watch some of that. But it's 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 pretty good. I think it's pretty cool. So bounce around the NBA a little bit more uh, with the G League starting today. There's also been trade talks. And there's a lot of players on the trade block right now. So we'll go over what the trade ball, trade block looks like a little bit in the NBA. Um, basically, like, they're all just rumors. The trade deadline will be in March. Normally, it's in February. But obviously, with the season getting pushed back, they uh, they pushed this back, too. And the trade the trade deadline is going to be... Uh, it's it's going to get pushed back to March to March now, and there's a few names that are kind of circulating around uh, early on. Obviously, these teams are going to wait to see how competitive they are, see what the team needs are. They're always going to change. Somebody gets hurt, a team might need this. But uh, a couple of names that have come up: Lou Williams and Patrick Beverly are two names from the Clippers that have come up. Um, it's interesting because. The Clippers are a competitive team to sitting in the third right now in the West, obviously. Uh, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard having tremendous seasons. Um, Sergi Bach is having a great first season in a Clipper uniform. But Patrick Beverly has been hurt a good amount. And Reggie Jackson, who um, former Detroit Piston, good scoring point guard, has really taken over this in the starting lineup as the starting point guard. And now rumors are circulating that Beverly could be on the trade block. And Lou Williams, too who has been a Clipper for a little while, is the most decorated sixth man in NBA history, without a doubt, three times sixth man of the year award winner, I believe. Um, He's having a bit of a down year, only averaging 10.3 points a game this year. And he's really not the sixth man anymore with like when when they re-signed Marcus Morris, um, having some of the veterans come come off the bench, Reggie Jackson, if Pat Bev is playing comes off the bench Patrick Patterson so like he Marcus Morris is really the sixth man of the team now and Lou Williams has kind of fallen a little bit deeper uh down isn't getting as much time so these guys are two names that came up there's no doubt I don't know how realistic it is that the Clippers actually trade the two of them uh I think they're key pieces to the team being successful honestly but if they actually legitimately want to try to swap them, they're going to probably try to go after a big man. That, that's what they kind of lack. Um, so when Montrez Harrell left, they have Serge Ibaka, who you know can step out and hit threes now, but he's not the shot-blocking rim protector that he used to be. And they have Ivica Zubots, too, who is decent, got big size, but not like an elite rim protector. So they might try to flip those two since they have a lot of scoring guards and scoring forwards um, to another team for like, for maybe a a better big man. You never know. I could see that happening if they throw in some draft picks too. maybe, you know, Blake Griffin, if he's on the trade block for the Pistons, Pistons would love the draft picks in the rebuilding mode. I'm sure they're going to be shopping Blake Griffin at this deadline. So that'll be, um, those are two names that'll be interesting to see. I I saw them come up. I'm not too sure how realistic it it really is that they get traded, but it's, uh, you know, those are two worth mentioning. And another one is Kyle Lowry. Now this one's kind of as expected because Lowry, um, the Raptors are struggling. There's no doubt about that. Uh, the Raptors are struggling big time this year. They're not as dominant as they were last year. They've been borderline under 500 uh, for most of the season. Currently sitting at 10 and 13 in the East, which is now in eighth place. But so they're like on the brink there, similar to what the Knicks are, but they're more built to be a competitive team. There's no doubt about that uh, with Siakam and Ananobi and the rest of their squad. So Kyle Lowry is kind of like the piece that they could trade because he brings veteran leadership. He's made it to six straight all-star teams. He's basically been the face of the Raptors franchise. You know, they had DeMar DeRozan too. Then he got traded and they had Kawhi Leonard for the year that won the championship. But Kyle Lowry has been the constant piece 
that's been in Toronto since 2012. He's made a career for himself there. Back when he was on Houston and Memphis, the beginning of his career, he wasn't an all-star caliber player like he became in Toronto. Uh, undoubtedly, will be getting his number retired there. Whether you know you can make, I've seen people make the uh, argument that he could be a Hall of Famer. I think he's pretty close, especially when you compare it to some of the other players who have made the Hall of Fame who have had close to the same stats as Kyle Lowry. Honestly, um, it'd be it'd be interesting, and they have. They have their young guys under contract. They got Van Vliet, Siakam, and Ananobi all under contract. They extended all of them. That's Those are the three pieces they're going to build around. Kyle Lowry's got an expiring contract coming up soon. So if Toronto does decide that they want to kind of go in that route, then it'll be interesting to see what they can get back as a solid return. Because if they decide to get rid of Lowry and trade him off to a contender, they can definitely get something draft pick wise or young play, young player wise that uh could be intriguing enough for them to do that. I mean, and these three guys are not guys that I would bank on getting traded. I would be more looking at like Blake Griffin, you know, if they can find if the Pistons can find a trade partner, those kind of guys almost definitely getting traded. But Lou Will, Pat Bev. Uh, Kyle Lowry, like they, they, those are like franchise decisions, basically. Um, I think some around the Clippers organization probably see those Pat Bev and Lou Williams as being key pieces of the organization. And for a team that is definitely going to be in the hunt to win the NBA championship this year, I don't know if they're, they're really going to be shopping those guys legitimately. So those are a few names on the trade block. Um, and another interesting topic that I wanted to go over is the NBA draft. So the NBA draft, the mock drafts have been going back and forth. We just talked about Jalen Green, uh, Jonathan Kuminga in the top five. Uh, you've probably seen the names, Evan Mobley at USC, uh, Cade Cunningham at Oklahoma State, Jalen Suggs at Gonzaga. Like Those are the top recruited guys. But there's been a few guys in college basketball that have been rising up as some of the top players rising up the draft boards. And, you know, it, it's, I wanted to note a few of them that I've been seeing kind of like rise out of nowhere and have been fun and have also been pretty fun guys to watch. Honestly, like the, these three guys have been some of my favorite players in the college basketball scene all season. And they, they've been implementing themselves as first round picks a lot of mock drafts have been coming out and obviously it's tough to tell right now. It's only February and God knows when the NBA draft is. It would be tough to tell right now if the draft was planned to be in June. It's definitely not going to be in June as of right now. Um, the season won't even end by June. The season is probably going to end in July. So I would assume that they would plan for the draft to be in like August or September, something like that. Maybe not as late as November, like last year, I wouldn't think, but so obviously you got to take it with a grain of salt, uh, these guys right now. But these guys have stepped, have moved up pretty fast on the um into the draft boards. And the first one is Sharif Cooper. Now, if you're a college basketball fan, you probably know about Sharif Cooper. Uh, he was a five star recruit from Auburn, one of the top point guards in the nation in high school. Um, he was ineligible uh, by the NCAA and deemed eligible in like January. So he missed the first like month or so of the season and has only played nine games for Auburn, but has done amazing has absolutely shown out in those nine games. And he's gone from before playing being a undrafted player to a potential first round pick, even in the lottery in some mock drafts I've been seeing, I've been seeing in mid first in some and even sneaking in the lottery. So it's, it's interesting. It's averaging 20.3 points, 8.9 assists, 4.3 rebounds and 1.2 steals. Um, dude's an elite player playing for a kind of depleted Auburn team that has struggled a bit this year. Uh, can't make the tournament because of NCAA uh, rules and guidelines that they that they didn't follow. Uh, they were deemed ineligible for a season. They decided to do it this season because they felt like they had the weakest team this year. So. They can't make the tournament anyway. They the way that the Auburn's sitting right now, they could be an at-large bid. 
you know, they've struggled a bit this year, but they're definitely like up there. Um, but Sharif Cooper has been one of the key, one of the key pieces. He's an elite playmaking point guard has extreme athleticism and incredible scoring power too. Uh, he's a great all around point guard and he's kind of the stereotypical NBA point guard nowadays, star NBA point guard that isn't just a passer, but is a ridiculously athletic playmaker who can score at will. You know, see a lot of guys never used to see this in the past, but you see a lot of guys averaging 20 points and, you know, close to 10 assists a game nowadays. Um, a lot of guys who would average 10 plus assists would only average like 15 points because they're a pass first kind of player. So Sharif Cooper kind of fits that mold. He's got NBA talent. There's no doubt about that. And he's, by the time it's all said and done, he could end up sneaking in the lottery. I could totally see it. He's absolutely flown off the dra- flown up the draft charts uh, these past few weeks. And, you know, he's a big name to watch out for. Second name to watch out for, who's been in the first round, the borderline lottery, mid-first round talks basically for the entire season, but has been improving as the season has gone on, is Moses Moody from Arkansas. Now, Moody is a former five-star recruit, best friends with Cade Cunningham, who is, a project, who is as of right now, a lot of people project him to be the number one overall pick in the 2021 draft. The two of them went to high school together, and they lived together. And I believe they both went to Montverde Academy. Um, so and they, you know, they roomed together as boring school. So they're best friends from there. Something I learned from watching Oklahoma State versus uh Arkansas game. I didn't know that before that. Uh, but it's Moody's having a tremendous season. He's a sharp shooting five-star recruit. He's a perfect mold for the NBA. He's gonna be a dynamic scorer in the NBA, at least projected to be. Uh he's averaging 16.4 points. 5.6 rebounds, 1.6 assists, 1.1 steals, and shooting 35% from three. Now, in for the beginning of the season for the Razorbacks, and Arkansas has played pretty well, too. They played in a difficult SEC. They pulled out some good games. So Moody is 100%. He's, he's kind of like the weakest of the three that I chose as rising up draft charts because he's been in the first round basically all the entire season. But he, I've seen him rise up to as far as the top five. I've seen a couple of mock drafts having him like five or six, which is like kind of incredible. Like he was supposed to be like a late lottery to a mid first round kind of player. But I find that that to be kind of incredible. He's, he's just been showing out cause he's, he's going to be a great scorer. Everybody knows that. And the question and he's played some good defense too. And he's going to be one of those big three and D guys that they look at um, with great athleticism. You know, he's, He's definitely going to be this. This upcoming draft class is is supposed to be really good. There's a lot of guys who could be potential studs in the NBA. Not just talking stars, talking studs. Like we got Jalen Green, you got Evan Mobley, you got Jalen Suggs. You know these guys, legitimately. Um, Jonathan Kuminga, Zaire Williams. People think these guys can legitimately be like all stars, like perennial all stars, even. So I think that'll I think that'll be uh very interesting to watch, you know, if Moody rises up even more. I just thought it was interesting, you know, he surpassed Zaire Williams and those guys at, at points. Um and the third guy who is probably the biggest jump. I mean, Sharif Cooper, only reason why he wasn't on there is because he wasn't playing. But once he started playing, he started playing hard, everyone knew he's a first round talent. But we got Fran- Franz Wagner. From Michigan, the forward from Michigan, he's a sophomore. Uh, Michigan playing some unbelievable basketball, first and foremost. Uh, ranked third in the nation this week. They surpassed Villanova. Juwan Howard's got that team locked in. I believe they only have one loss. We'll get down to them like a little bit later in the show. But Franz Wagner is brother of Mo Wagner, who uh, big man for the Washington Wizards, who used to play for Michigan, too. Um and also was a first round pick just a couple of years ago in the NBA draft. Uh, Franz is looked at as a potentially elite two-way wing with great size. He's 6'9", 220, and he's extremely versatile. He he's appearing in a lot of mid to late first rounds. I haven't seen him in any uh in any lotteries, but he's flown up big time because he was 
at the beginning of the season undrafted in the second round. And now they got him as a potential mid late first round pick in a lot of lotteries. Uh, he's averaging 12 points a game. He's grabbing 7.1 rebounds, 3.1 assists, 1.4 steals and shooting nearly 50% from the floor when he shoots a lot of threes too. So he's, he's got great size. He's six nine. He's versatile. NBA loves that. Uh, He's, you know, he's also the brother of an NBA player who has some great talent too. He was a great college player in Mo Wagner. Um, he's playing for a great program, great head coach in Juwan Howard. So it'll be interesting to see. I think uh, Franz Wagner is like is probably the highest on the rise right now. If we're going to talk about anybody, you know, in the uh, um, if we're going to talk about anybody like climbing up the draft boards, you got to talk about Franz Wagner first and foremost and Sharif Cooper too. They, they've been the best there's, and you know, that's just as of right now, some shows down the week, I'll give you my updated versions and uh, we'll check in after tournament time. Always, there's always, that's the one I'm excited about the tournament. There's always a guy who goes, big time either or two guys that go big time in the tournament. And then all of a sudden start appearing in first rounds of NBA mock drafts. Like saw that with Dylan Windler a couple of years ago. First one that pops in my head from Belmont, you know, he Belmont made the tournament. They were just nasty. He was their star player averaging 20 and 10 uh, versatile six, six forward. He ended up getting selected late first round in 2019 by Cleveland. You know, he, and he wasn't in any mock drafts before that, but he had a ridiculously good tournament. He was shooting the lights out, and there's always uh, some of those guys that do that. And as of right now, the season, Wagner's been the big one, and Cooper's been the other one of guys who have like just overperformed and kind of threw themselves into first round mock drafts. Obviously, there's a lot of guys who are projected in the first round right now that are going to end up falling out, have bad rest of the season. Some guys are going to decide to stay in school, possibly. Everybody gets an extra year of eligibility in college basketball the next year too. So no senior is safe to stay in this year's NBA draft. You know, if, if Luca Garza doesn't like his draft stock, he can go back for another year. People are forgetting about that. Even though he's a senior, the uh, NCAA deemed everybody an extra year of eligibility due to COVID. So it'll be interesting to see. Everybody's got to declare for the draft. There's not going to be seniors might only stay if they think they can get drafted pretty highly, you know, or they think there's just nothing left to prove in college, which could be the case for Luca Garza too. Um, so those those are a few of my picks for uh, some of the top players that are rising up the draft boards. And as we go over every week, we'll go over some of the AP poll surprises too for week eleven. Um, there was there was some interesting stuff in this week's AP poll. There's no doubt about that. Um, I think that like the, this this week was kind of like the most interesting, and I'll get into it. Uh, first and foremost, Villanova fell from three to five after losing to St. John's. That doesn't come as much of a shock. I'm honestly shocked they stayed in the top five because that was that was a bad loss. St. John's is on the rise. I'm a St. John's fan. Um, Thirteen and eight lost to Xavier yesterday, but. Uh, they've been on the rise and they're making a bid for a possible push in the tournament, depending on how they do in the Big East tournament. So we'll see. Um, but Villanova lost to them and they fell from three to five. Illinois climbed even higher. Illinois, I'm telling you, Illinois has been one of my favorite teams this year. They've been dynamic. I would assume was my favorite player in college. Um, he, he, I think he's the best all around guard in college. Illinois jumped from 12 to six this week on the AP poll, they were falling as low as almost a 20. They've been in the top 25 basically all season, but they've been fluctuating with some bad losses, but they jumped right back into it. After some teams had some bad losses, they, uh, they jumped right back up to six. Missouri climbed from 18 to 10 after beating Alabama. Now that was a tremendous win. Missouri is legit and teams are forgetting that. And Alabama was red hot and that win over them was, was pretty huge. It was pretty huge. There's no doubt about that. So Missouri climbed from 18 to 10 this week, and that was an insane one. And Iowa fell from 8 to 15. Yeah, I feel like Iowa and Illinois have been going back and forth. Like when one of them is surging, the other one's not doing good. 
and vice versa. Iowa saw climbing up the ranks. Illinois start falling back. Illinois start cr- climbing up. Iowa start falling back. So Illinois is at six now, and Iowa's at fifteen. Uh because the one the killer was losing to Indiana this past week for Iowa. They fell from eight to fifteen uh, from losing just to Indiana. Um, and then. Some of the more interesting choices, Loyola Chicago. We all remember their deep run in the tournament back in 2018 that kind of shocked everybody. No one really knew the school. Um, it was an incredible story. They're back in the top 25, and they're at 22 this week at 17 and 3, 12 and 1 in the conference. They're in the same conference that Drake is in, and Drake was ranked 25 last week, but they lost to Valparaiso. Uh, this past week, which made them fall out of the top twenty-five, so there a lot. There's a lot of uh, a lot of love being shown to the Missouri Valley Conference. I mean, the it, the conference is very weak. Besides Loyola Chicago and Drake, those two teams are tremendous. Um, no one else really is. But you know, last week Drake was twenty-five. This week Loyola Chicago was twenty-two. So they're they're showing some love, showing a lot of love to the Missouri Valley Conference. Uh, the two teams that can potentially make some noise come tournament time too. They got to watch out for Sir Loyola. Chicago jumps back into the top 25. Oklahoma State comes in at 23. Uh, Oklahoma State also ineligible to make the tournament this year because of recruiting violations that happened before the Mike Boynton era, I believe. Um, they're at 23 this week after beating Texas in double OT. Huge win by Oklahoma State this past weekend. Uh, Cade Cunningham had a great game. Yeah, uh, their star point guard. They're like uh, Oklahoma State. Honestly, even if they made the tournament, I don't think they would do very much. I feel like Cade Cunningham is an absolute stud. Probably gonna, might be the first overall pick in this year's draft. But the team around him is just not as great. Likely is pretty good, but they don't they don't have a ton of depth, and especially in the Big Twelve too. It's amazing that they've been putting together some of the wins that they have, and they beat Texas in double overtime. So that's that's what gave them some recognition in the top 25 this week, for, for sure. And Rutgers also rejoined top 25. They've been out for the last few weeks after falling off a little bit. They're off to a red-hot start to start the season. They're, they're at number 25 this week. Um, so we'll see if, if they can continue going up or if they'll fall right back out next week. And for the first time since 2009... Kansas falls out of the top 25. So this has not been a good year for the Blue Bloods. There's no doubt about that. Uh, all the main powerhouses of college basketball have been struggling big time. There's Every college basketball fan has seen that. And it's been, it's been kind of terrible, honestly. It's been, really, it's been really pretty sad that to see some of that for if you're a fan of the team. For guys like me who is a fan of St. John's, you know, the the other kind of college basketball fans. It's nice to see the diversity now. It's nice to see other teams be, that you normally aren't used to being dominant, being dominant. I mean, like Auburn, the SEC is becoming a powerhouse of basketball. Usually Kentucky was just running through it. Auburn is putting together a good program year after year. Tennessee is putting together a good program. LSU is putting together a good program. Alabama is starting to do it too. It's, it's fun. And it's like, it's making... It a lot more diverse. A lot of these, you know, I love I loved Cade Cunningham deciding to commit to Oklahoma State instead of going to like Duke or North Carolina. It makes it makes all the difference. It makes it it makes the entire season a lot more fun. You have a lot more talent spread out in different places. And come tournament time, there's gonna be a lot more upsets. And we love upsets in March. That's the best part of March is watching upsets. So that's the greatest part. But so along with Kansas falling out of the top 25 for the first time in 12 years, the uh, Duke, UNC, Kentucky, Kansas, and UCLA are all unranked this week for the first time since 1961. That's an incredible stat. It really is. Those five schools, obviously the five greatest basketball schools of all time. Um, There's no doubt about that. And to think that, at least one of those teams has been in every single top 25 since 1961 for the past 50 years is truly an incredible feat. And the fact that this year is the first time that they all fell out, 
just shows the kind of uh, movement that college basketball is going into. It's becoming more diverse. There's better teams. And, you know, with the choice to play in the G League and stuff too, that's going to end up hurting the Dukes and the Kentuckys and all those guys because those are the guys who are – those are the teams who bring in the potential top five picks. And if those guys decide to play in the G League, it's those teams that are missing out on them and not, you know, the other star teams across the league. You know, like S- like the SEC will still keep bringing in their Grant Williams and, you know, their Admiral Schofields and those guys because they weren't huge recruits, but they make a name for themselves playing college basketball. So that's that is definitely interesting. And those were probably the biggest surprises for week 11 of – uh, the eight people. And as we do every week too, you know, this show is just me this week. So uh, we got no other guests. So um just running things. So myself, so I'm just going to be going over the basic stuff. Hopefully we're going to be having some good guests the next couple of weeks too. We're in the works of figuring that out, but uh, you know, works. I'm excited about that. And I think we're going to have some, some more interesting guests too to give us some good content the next couple of weeks. But this week is just me. So we'll go over, as we do every week, the top college games of the week. And the with this episode airing on Wednesday rather than Monday like normal, um, switching it up this week, the rest of the slate up until Saturday really isn't that great. So, and honestly, like before that, the last two days, it wasn't that great either. Like yesterday we had West Virginia versus Texas Tech and West Virginia won. Uh, I was going to include that if I would have included that if I did a Monday, but for this segment, it'll basically only be Saturday and Sunday games. There's a lot going to be a lot of good games on Saturday. The rest of this week is going to be kind of weak uh, college basketball wise, you know, as far as top 25 or, uh, you know, national recognition goes for some of these games, but like nationwide recognition, but, um, I, I think that uh, the, this weekend is going to be really good. And the next few days might not be. Might be some of your t- favorite teams might play. I know St. John's plays. Um, not going to include those, but it's, it's mostly going to be games on Saturday. So the first game we'll include is Indiana at number four, Ohio State, Saturday at noon. So Indiana versus Ohio State, legendary matchup. You can't not include this one. Indiana struggled a bit this year. There's no doubt about that. But they're coming off a win against Iowa last week, which made Iowa fall big time in this week's top 25. And Ohio State has been red hot. They're up to number four this week in the top 25. Chris Holtman's got that team absolutely locked in. Um, they, They're one of the best teams in college basketball, one of the most surprisingly best teams in college basketball right now. And Indiana likes to spoil the party, though, sometimes. Indiana's got a decent resume put together. They haven't had the most amazing season, but they've beaten Iowa twice. They beat in Maryland, who also likes to rain on parades, and Stanford, too. Those are their those are their biggest resume wins this season. So this could be a, this could be a candidate for an upset this week. Uh, it's at Ohio state. I don't anticipate it. If I were to put money down on it, I'd probably put, probably go with Ohio state, but it's, I think, um, Indiana. Like has they be in Iowa twice, you know, Indiana versus Ohio state's a legendary matchup could go a variety of ways. So that's one to look out for. Now we'll show some love to the Missouri Valley Conference. We got number 22, Loyola Chicago, plays at Drake Saturday at 12 and Sunday at 6. They play back-to-back days, and it's both at Drake. So, as we were talking about before, Drake was ranked 25 last week. They were undefeated, uh, but they lost to Valparaiso, so they fell out of the top 25. Drake is 18-1, 9-1 in the conference now on the season after losing to Valparaiso last week. They were undefeated, so they had to be, you know, they made their debut in the top 25 and fell right out the very next week. Loyola Chicago made their debut this week in the top 25. They're at number 22. They're 17-3, and 12-1 in the conference. So, And these are the top two teams in the Missouri Valley Conference. Loyola Chicago sitting at number one right now at 12-1. and Drake's sitting at two at 9-1. So, and they're playing each other twice. So this is going to be the casual college basketball fan won't care, but this is going to be interesting because I'll tell you what, if Loyola Chicago wins both of these games, they're, they're going to join the top 20 next week in the, um, 
in the AP poll. There's there's no doubt about that because these are big wins. And if Drake and say Drake were to win both of these games, they probably rejoin the top 25 and Loyola Chicago bounces out. You know, the 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 successes that the Missouri Valley Conference has been able to make this year um is incredible. It's really only been those two teams as we were talking about before. Um but you know, anytime two teams in back to back with two different teams in back to back weeks from the Missouri Valley Conference can join the top twenty five. It's pretty incredible. And Loyal is on a ten game winning streak. That's why voters gave him, you know, so much so much credit and they get to play each other twice this twice because you know they're clamping games together a lot of times because of COVID. A lot of games get canceled and stuff. So they want to play each other in one location a couple of times to get those over with in a short amount of time. So there'll be some good games to watch, honestly. Like I'm excited for it. I'm gonna watch it. I'm gonna tune in because I want to become more familiar too with these two teams. I don't know a ton about them. Uh obviously we all knew about Loyola Chicago like a couple of years ago when they uh, surge into the tournament, but um, I'm interested to see. I don't know anything about this Drake team either. I've you know looked at their stats and stuff. But I haven't really watched them play. And we got a nice comment from Tom of Review and Preview, of course. Been on my show a good amount of times. Loyola Chicago is having a great season. Can they get an at large? I think so. That is a tremendous question, and I think they will because you look at the Missouri Valley Conference. If the, the Loyola Chicago and Drake are going to beat up on each other this weekend because they play each other twice, but they play the rest of the Missouri Valley the rest of the season. And if they continue to win out, I can see one of the, I can see the team that doesn't win the Missouri Valley conference championship, the uh, tournament getting an at-large bid because there's going to be, there's also going to be an, an extra at-large bid this year because the, the Ivy league didn't play. People forget about that. The Ivy league, refused to play basketball this season because of COVID the entire conference. So no, 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 not a single Ivy league team will be in the tournament this year. So there's an extra at large bit than normal. I think that there's a legit shot. Say Loyola Chicago beats, say, say like this scenario, Loyola Chicago beats Drake twice this weekend and moves up to like 18 or 19 in the country. Say they went out the rest of the way. Missouri Valley Conference tournament starts, and uh, Loyola Chicago makes it to like the semifinals or the finals and loses. But uh, Drake wins the finals, so Drake gets an ad- gets an automatic bid for winning the finals. Loyola Chicago definitely gets an at large bid if that's the case. I think Loyola Chicago. It's a good question, and it's going to be very interesting. But one of those two teams can 100% the one, the one team that doesn't win the uh, conference championship definitely could be uh, a candidate for an at-large bid. I, I would not be shocked by that at all. So next game, we've got number 12, Oklahoma, at number 14, West Virginia. West Virginia just beat top 10 Texas Tech last night, which was a big win. West Virginia's got a tough week. They had uh, number 7 Texas Tech last night, and they got number 12, Oklahoma, Saturday at 1. So Oklahoma's been red hot. We talk, Me and Tom talked about them last week a lot when we were uh, going over our teams who we think that could make upsets in tournament time. Um, Oklahoma was supposed to play Baylor this week, though, but Baylor's games got canceled because of COVID. Uh, and the Sooners have won five of the last six. So uh, West Virginia, this is a big game for West Virginia because if they beat both Texas Tech and Oklahoma who are ranked higher than them, they might move into the top 10 next week from 14 to 9 or 10 because they already beat with Texas Tech who was 7 and if they beat Oklahoma who's 12, you know, those teams are going to fall out and Oklahoma's going to step right in. So uh, so that's going to be a big game. Obviously, Big 12 rivalry you know, going to be big. And then we got another SEC rivalry. Seems like I include an LSU game every year. I, I mean, every week i this is going to be another good game tennessee versus lsu uh tennessee's ranked 16 lsu's unranked uh just another tough sec matchup tennessee's 13 and 4 overall 6 and 4 in the conference lsu is 11 and 6 overall 6 and 4 in the conference they're both tied uh in the sec because they're both 6 and 4 in conference play this is definitely an upset uh, potentially waiting to happen. If I had to bet on any of these games being an upset to happen, I would bet this. It's at LSU. LSU has put together some pretty solid wins this year. Uh, they have they've got themselves a respectable team too, even though they're you know they're only a potential at large bid and not 
a real powerhouse in the SEC compared to Alabama, Tennessee, and you know the rest of them who are sitting at the top. But I think that um, LSU is going to be going to be a good game, good matchup for Tennessee too. And then another Big Ten matchup: we got number fifteen Iowa at Michigan State Saturday at two thirty. Normally, this would be a blockbuster game because Michigan State was supposed to be a, a dynamic team this year. They have struggled big time. They're one of the blue bloods that have not done well. There's no doubt about that. They've they are nine and seven right now and three and seven in the conference. So they Tom Izzo's squad has not been able to figure it out this year. They have struggled big time in a tough Big Ten. They um have fallen victim. The Big Ten is probably the best conference in college basketball this year, as I've said probably a hundred times on this show. Uh they've fallen victim to all the better teams. They're they're not one of the best teams in the Big Ten. And but it's at Michigan State. Iowa has lost some games that they should win. And you, just, you really you never know. So this it's one to include. It'll definitely be a close game. It always is. It's a game Iowa can't can't afford to lose. If Iowa loses that, they're gonna they're gonna fall deep into the top twenty five. They might fall into the twenties next week because that's a really after losing Indiana last week and lose to Michigan State, it's not good. So this is a must-win for Iowa, and Michigan State could be on upset alert. And then we got a nice Big East rivalry, two best teams in the Big East, the two ranked teams in the Big East, number five, Villanova, at number 19, Creighton, Saturday at five. So this is going to be a good game, obviously. Villanova was ranked three last week. They've been struggling a bit. Um they lost to St. John's last week. They went on nearly a month-long pause due to COVID, uh, and that really threw them off. They got out of rhythm, understandably. You can't just you know have your guys sit out for a month and then expect them to be red-hot right again. Uh, Villanova's got one of the best teams in the league, but they've been losing some games. So this is 100% a game that Creighton could win and a game that Creighton might need to win, too, because Creighton's been falling. Creighton was in the top 10. They're down to 19 this week. They're close to falling out of the top 25. Uh, this could be a huge statement win if they can put this together. Uh, Villanova's 12 and 2 overall, 7 and 1 in the conference. Their loss to St. John's was their first conference loss of the season. And Creighton's 14 and 5, 10 and 4 in the conference. So record-wise, Villanova still sits at first place in the in the Big East. Most likely going to stay that way. But this is a big one. This is a big big matchup for Creighton. And Marcus Zagorowski and his squad are going to have to come out big time and, you know, try to prove that they're a legitimate title contender by taking down Villanova. And the last game we're going to feature is a game on Sunday, number three, Michigan at number 21, Wisconsin, Sunday at one. So um, there isn't too much to say besides Michigan is has been unbelievable this year. They've been Totally awesome. Jawan Howard's got that squad rolling. They have been dynamic. They're up to number three in the country this week. They've only lost one game all season. Their only loss came to Minnesota. They're 13-1 total, 8-1 in the conference. Uh, and this is a Big Ten matchup. And Wisconsin, sitting at 21, they've been falling a little bit. If they really want to uh, implement themselves as one of the best teams in the Big Ten, they're going to they this is a, this is going to be a big matchup for them to try. They're at home, uh, try to pick off Michigan. Michigan's been dynamic all year long, so it's going to be it's going to be very interesting to see. I don't anticipate Michigan losing this game. Um, I think they're too red hot right now to lose this game, but you, you really never know in Big Ten play. You really never know. It's it's going to be an interesting one to watch, and it's worth noting, of course, as normal, but. That's what, but that's all the college basketball stuff we have for this week. And, you know, as I told you, doing the show by myself. So I hope everybody enjoyed it. Um, it was a pleasure talking some NBA, some G League, some college basketball, some NBA draft. And, you know, stay tuned for the next couple of weeks. Hopefully we'll have some good guests on. we got some stuff in the works. And, you know, going to be some good episodes of the 3 and D coming up soon. I'll be releasing my NBA All-Star Predictions soon you know the tournament coming up we're gonna have a big tournament special so it's gonna be a good time so thank you everybody for watching um at the review and preview network remember to subscribe to us at review and preview sports on all major platforms and we'll see you next monday on the next episode of the 3 and d